If you're in the market for a new home, you might think that real estate agents are just for the seller. But buyers with real estate agents are smart shoppers, and the seller pays the commission. But buyers beware. Before you choose an agent, read our story. Choose agent carefully before buying a house when you hit moneypit.com. Just click on ideas and tips, then click repair and improve. And for answers to any home improvement or home repair questions, give us a call right now. 888-MONEYPIT. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. One eight 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 Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler, and I'm Leslie Segretti. Call us right now with your home improvement projects. So, Leslie, what do you think one of the biggest mistakes people make when it comes to lawn care is? You, you mean besides ignoring it and thinking it'll just grow perfectly? Well, that's you. <laughs> so you would know. <laughs> You're actually very close. Actually, it's overwatering. You know, a lawn needs a lot less water than you might think. Watering less often, but for a longer period of time to give it that thorough root soaking is the hot ticket. Now, you know, in my house, I think we water about every third day. And hmm. that seems to do the trick. I water when it just doesn't look good. <laughs> yeah. that By then, I think it's probably too late. You know when our landscaper puts a note in the mailbox that's like, uh, try watering your lawn? <laughs> yeah, hint, you need me? <laughs> Well, to help you get your lawn off on the right foot, we're going to give away this hour a great prize package from Vigoro. It's worth 100 bucks. It includes all kinds of lawn and garden care items, everything from garden tools to decorative stone to mulch. It's all in store for one caller to 888-MONEYPIT. It's a great way to get a head start on your spring landscaping. So call us right now to get in on the giveaway or to get a head start on your home improvement project. 1-888-MONEYPIT. Leslie, who's first? James in Indiana is having a flooring situation. What's going on? Well, I'm doing a remodeling, and there's, I'm going to call it a parquet wood flooring. They're interlocking. They're little tiles. Okay. They, uh, well, but besides the interlocking, they were actually glued to a concrete floor. Uh, you see, oil and water don't mix, and neither do wood flooring and concrete. And concrete. That sounds <laughs> terrible. Yeah, usually the concrete is so hydroscopic, it holds so much moisture that it causes the floor to, to warp. Well, it doesn't. It hadn't done that, but I want right. to take it all up. I've taken right. uh, like a air chisel hammer type thing. Okay. And I've been frying it up, but there's still a lot of glue on the concrete. I bet. Well, they probably needed so much glue to overcome the moisture in the concrete to make it adhere. Exactly. What kind of finished uh, floor do you want to put down? Well, what I want to do is take all this wood flooring and glue up. Then I'm going to put a subflooring down. Then I'm going to put an oak on top of that. Well. You know, I think, generally speaking, it's still not a good idea to put wood flooring on top of concrete unless... Unless it's it, an engineered hardwood. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you might be... I think you, there's probably an easier way to do this. If you can get as much of that glue off as you can to the point where it's fairly smooth, engineered hardwoods um, go down on top of a underlayment that's usually soft and cushy and will take up some of the... If there's any roughness left from the glue, and then they lock together... Um, Think of uh, think of hardwood plywood. That's what engineered hardwood floors are. It's like a, a laminated assembly of different hardwoods that go 
and angles that are 90 degrees opposed to each other. And when you do that, James, they become dimensionally stable and they won't rot or twist or warp. And they're pretty easy to put down because they lock together. Now, there are different densities uh, of finishes that you can buy on that. You can buy a residential grade or a commercial grade, and there is a huge, I mean huge difference in durability between the different levels of finishes. So you need to pay close attention and buy the best finish you can afford if you roll it to really last. Oh, okay. Now, do you have any suggestions of how to get this glue up? Because that's where I'm running into the problem. I mean, I've tried a grinder, but that just loads the wheel. right. I mean, is there any kind of chemical that I can put on here? I mean, anything that would eat this glue up. Mm. There is a lot of it there. <laughs> I don't know, Leslie, any ideas? Well, I mean, in, in situations where we've found things glued to concrete, I've used like a goof-off product, something that's made to get rid of an adhesion, but it seems like you're going to just need a ton of it. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 it's, uh, the room is about 10 by 20, so... I mean, generally, we've used, you know, on the show, on While You Were Out or on Trading Spaces, we've used goof-off and then just a chisel and just dug away at it. But it seems like there's a lot of glue on there. There is. There yeah, is. I mean, how about, how's your room with height? Are you able to just put a subfloor directly on top of all of it and call it a day? See, I'm on a slab home, and if I do that, then that's going to cause me to raise up the exterior doors and... Yeah, really. I mean, worst comes scenario, probably. But well, you know, there are some earth-friendly products that actually will work to remove adhesive that you might want to try. Um, there's one that's called um, Citrus King, and the website for that is citrusdepot.com. And they have an, an earth-friendly, non-toxic, biodegradable adhesive remover that might work for a situation like this. Yeah, especially this. when you're dealing with so much glue to get rid of. Yeah, you don't want to use a harsh chemical, and that's why I think something that's a little a little less toxic would probably be a good thing. I was actually thinking of like a muriatic acid or something to heat it no, up. No, let's go in a different direction now, okay? Okay. <laughs> put the brakes on. Let's put it in reverse. <laughs> let's get away from the harsh chemicals. All right. If I, can, if I can avoid that, I definitely want to. Okay. All right. Thanks so much for calling us at one eight 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 Money Pit eight 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 six 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 three nine seven four. Yeah, Leslie. Everybody wants to go with the high toxic chemicals. Well, especially if you're working in an enclosed space. I mean, it sounds like this is a basement situation or something where you're in an enclosed area, and if you're going to put something that harsh down, you're not going to be able to go back in that home for days. I just think it's really funny that that most people want to do things in a natural very organic way, except when it comes to convenience. Then yeah, and then they want, like, the most destructive thing. The big guns come out. <laughs> so, Ron in Rhode Island, you call us about a problem, but you're doing a home improvement project right now? Yes, I am. Yeah, what are you working on? We're painting the bathroom. Okay. Uh, I This is the third time I painted it. We, we have, like, a, a peach-colored uh, shower stall and fixtures, uh, toilet and sinks, and not a hell of a lot will go with it. It was it was like a peach color uh, on the walls, and we, we wanted to change it. We painted it a light gray, then we went to a, a light green, and now we're going to white, and uh, I don't know. Okay, and the problem is this paint continues to grow mold? No, 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 no. That That's another problem. No, he's just painting. He's doing home improvement projects. Oh, okay. And asking home improvement On, on the outside, we have a white house uh, with wooden shingles, and 
uh, I'm getting this uh, black mold, you know, uh, little little round spots uh, in, in different areas. And uh, I was wondering what would be good to uh, get rid of it. Bleach. Bleach? Bleach, yeah. Yeah, bleach and water mixture. Yeah, what, what you want to do is uh, mix, do a bleach and water mixture. Probably, I, I would say probably at least um, one part bleach, maybe two parts to five parts water. And then you spray that down and you let it sit for a while so it kills the mold. And then you could clean it off. Now, with wood siding, you don't want to use a lot of pressure. If you can use a pressure washer, that's an option. Um, now, you mentioned that it was spotting. That might be something called artillery fungus. And that's tr- traditionally very, very difficult to get off. Have you put fresh mold, fresh, excuse me, fresh mulch around the house? No. Okay. As a matter of fact, uh, you know, uh, last uh, spring I, I did it with, uh, I got the pressure washer and, uh, and I did it with bleach. And also I put hydrogen peroxide in there. And my wife said maybe TSP. Well, better be careful this chemical cocktail that you're mixing up there. Oh, it's outside, though. <laughs> no, all you need is really bleach. Bleach is a great mildicide. Uh, there's one other product I could suggest, and that's called Jomax, J-O-M-A-X. It's really a house wash material, and you mix it up with bleach, and it helps the bleach actually last a little bit longer. It's made by the Zinzer Company, so you could give that a try as well the next time. Where, where, where could I get that? Oh, any hardware store or home center has that. It's a very, very commonly available product. Also good for taking moss off of roofs. Okay, Ron? Very good. Thanks so much for calling us at one eight 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 Money Pit. So, Money Pit listeners, did you know that controlling weeds is vital to the health and overall appearance of your lawn? I know how to control weeds. It's called a weed whacker. <laughs> <laughs> I think that just destroys them. Or is that the way I control moles? <laughs> <laughs> oh, terrible. <laughs> no. Well, you know, if you're like most homeowners, you probably are not using the right amount of products at the right time to keep the weeds away. We're going to help solve some of these m- magical garden mysteries. See, when you the- don't water the lawn, you don't get the weeds. Uh, is that right? But when, <laughs> but when you do water, the first thing that grows back is always the weeds. Well, we're going to sort the weeds from the chaff when we come back. I have learned the hard way, that you should never hang a bird feeder over your picnic table. I've learned that newly planted trees can support a hammock, but not a body. But I've also learned that, thanks to Vigoro Fertilizer, you don't have to be a genius, fortunately, to have a greener, healthier yard. Vigoro greens up in just 72 hours, but it also keeps guys like me from paving in the entire yard out of sheer frustration. Because Vigoro makes fertilizing simple. The instructions on the bag are actually easy to understand and easy to follow. You know exactly which kind to use, when to use it, and how. With Vigoro, it's amazingly simple to pull off a healthy green lawn. Get yours today exclusively at the Home Depot. And see just how Vigoro can make you look like a gardening genius. Even if you're not. Vigoro. Simply foolproof. Somewhere... A guy is tossing his golf clubs into the water. But you, you'd rather build, say, a burled maple coffee table. RYOBI Woodworking Tools let you do it. RYOBI gives you the power and precision you need to succeed at prices that help you get going. 
Of course, there's still some equipment involved, but it's power tools. And you don't have to wear those funny clothes to use them. RYOBI Power Tools. Professional features, affordable prices. RYOBI, exclusively at the Home Depot. That's just beautiful. I am always looking for a smart buy. That's why I'm so impressed with Pella Impervia Replacement Windows and Patio Doors. They're made from a fiberglass composite called Duracast. It's the strongest, most durable material available in windows and patio doors. It won't warp, sag, or crack in extreme temperatures. And it looks like painted wood, too. Best of all, Pella Impervia windows and patio doors are a strong value. You get quality Pella craftsmanship at a price to fit most any budget. For a free in-home consultation, call 800-944-6700. That's 800-944-6700. Hello, I'm Rob Petrkevich, Executive Director of the American Society of Home Inspectors. Homeownership rates in the United States are at an all-time high. But did you know the average cost of a home is now more than $260,000? If you're in the process of buying or selling a home, then you know how overwhelming this experience can be. It's also one of the biggest financial investments you'll ever make. So it's important to have your home thoroughly inspected by a qualified professional before you make your final purchase decision. In addition to checking for structural problems, the inspection should cover all the important systems as well. And an inspection is not just for prospective buyers. It's a good idea to have your home inspected before you put it up for sale. Older homes should be inspected every 10 years. New homes, as well as townhouses and condominiums, should be carefully examined too. This can help protect your investment and prevent potential problems. For more information, please visit ASHI.org. A public service message from the American Society of Home Inspectors. This portion of the Money Pit is brought to you by Dense Armor Plus, the revolutionary paperless drywall from Georgia Pacific. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show 1-888-MONEY-PIT. So you probably have this happen to you. You mow the lawn only to have those cute little yellow dandelions pop up a day later. What's happening is most people fail to control weeds because they'll use a weed control product in the spring and then wonder why they have weeds in the summer. Did you know weed control products need to be used regularly, just like fertilizer? And you can sort of kill two birds with one stone by using a weed and feed product. Another mistake most people make, bad timing. There are actually two types of weed control. One's called a pre-emergent, and that prevents weeds before they happen. And the other one's called a post-emergent, and that kills weeds after they've come up. So make sure you use the right product for the right weed at the right time, and your lawn will look great, just like a putting green all season long. All right, I'm going to try my best. And to help you develop that beautiful green lawn, one caller on today's program will win a great prize package that is sure to give you a green thumb. That's right. It's 100 bucks worth of Vigoro products. It's got some weed stop mulch. It's got tools. It's got plant food, even some decorative stones. So call us right now at 888-MONEYPIT to get in on the giveaway. Leslie, let's get back to the phones. Janice, New Jersey, is talking about cracks in the driveway. What happened? Yes, oh, a little bit upsetting. I have a concrete driveway, and uh, after a near record rainfall all through the month of October, 
uh, I've noticed that there are cracks that have developed all the way across the width of the driveway. We did have, I don't know whether this uh, has anything to do with it, before this record rainfall, we had an extremely hot and dry August and September. So uh, now uh, these cracks are really pretty disturbing and wondering what I should do about it. I'm hoping it's not a case where I have to take the whole driveway up and replace it. Well, how old is this driveway, Janice? That I don't know. I uh, moved into this house this past summer. Is it a newer house? or? It was built in the 50s. Okay. Well, you're not going to be able to repair the cracks. I mean, you're never going to put the concrete back together again. The best you can do is to caulk them. I would use a flowable urethane caulk uh, with those cracks available at home centers. And, and basically, you're, you're filling them in with a caulk that's uh, similar in color. The fact that you did have an incredibly hot summer, you know, means that the earth was very, very dry. Coupled and then with all a very... that water caused it to shift, which exactly. caused the cracks. Like things were settling and moving. Yeah, and once that water gets under those slabs, then it just has, it just kind of slides down the hill, so to speak. Now, if the driveway is put in with expansion and contraction joints, that won't happen. But, you know, this driveway was, was not done that way, and, and that's why you've got that movement. So the best you can do right now is just to seal those cracks, and you're doing that for cosmetics. You're also doing it so that you prevent the water from getting into those cracks and further separating the spots. Because if the water gets in there and then in the wintertime it freezes, it'll push those slabs apart. Even though they're big and heavy slabs of concrete, it'll actually push them apart, or the water can get under it and push them up and cause what's called a frost heave, and that's a big stinking mess too. So the best thing for you to do is to simply seal it up with caulk. Okay. And just uh, make sure that it's level. Is, is there, yeah, should you use something like those tools that level out the cement when you're doing concrete or cement work? Well, you're kind of past that now because the concrete's already there and in and dry and hard. So all you're trying to do is just seal it. Now, if the slabs start to lift, then, you know, that's a different problem. And, and we could talk about that at a different time. But if you're just talking about um, a section that is just cracked, then all you need to do is to fill that in with the flowable urethane caulk and uh, just maintain it that way. Okay? Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEY-PIT. Carol from Florida, how can we help? Hi there. Um, I have a problem in my garage, which is I live in uh, Florida, um, close to the, um, very close to a seawall um, on the intercoastal, but I don't know if that has anything to do with my problem. My garage is on the same level as the street. There's no, like, elevation to my to, to my house in that area. However, the rest of my home is about a foot and a half higher than the garage level. The problem I'm having is that, especially in the winter, I notice there are areas of moisture. It's a concrete floor uh, within the garage floor, and I was, you know, considering cleaning it up and having it painted, but I look at those areas of moisture, and it seems like it's more noticeable in the winter months. 
Well, that's clear because what you're having is condensation because the air is cooler than the ground temperature from being warmed in sunny Florida all through the summer months. So when the temperature drops a little bit, as it does in Florida, you're going to get condensation. Is that true? Yes, I can imagine. Well, what you want to do is definitely clean that up and then paint it. That's not going to help your condensation issue, but there's no reason you can't. And if you use the right kind of paint, it will stick and it's going to make it look a lot nicer. Do you have any recommendations? Do I need to prime it? Absolutely. Um, What I would recommend is a product called Epoxy Shield. Mm -hmm. This is fun. It's an epoxy-based garage floor paint that comes in a a two-part mix. So you get a gallon of this epoxy product and you get a quart of the hardener, and actually the gallon is short-filled. There's like three-quarters of a gallon of material in there. So you open it up, you mix the two together, stir up, and that has a chemical and an air-based cure. And they also include in that box um, this cleaning uh, detergent that's designed to really kind of neutralize and sort of etch the surface so you get good adhesion. But I think if you do that, um, it's a real thick, durable surface. We actually put it down in, believe it or not, the Boy Scout house here in my hometown. Um, The guys put it down in the kitchen because it takes a ton of traffic from all of those scouts. So... uh, they went out and picked up some epoxy shield and put it right down, and it looks great. You can also put, like, this chipped surface in it, so it kind of has this um, sort of nice speckly look to it, which hides the dirt, too. Excellent. Can I ask you, um, when the moisture reappears, let's say, next winter, is that going to, you know, what's the effect? It's going to counteract it? Well, I'm afraid that it's not really going to have any insulating properties. You're, you're going to, you know, live in paradise. You're going to have to pay the price now and again <laughs> with some of those moisture um, issues in an unconditioned space like that. That's why your AC works overtime for the rest of the house to try to dry it out. Okay, so um, is that paint that I put over top of the epoxy shield, or the epoxy shield comes with, with this with these speckles in it. Right. The epoxy shield is the paint and then the sort of acrylic-y resin finish that goes on top with the speckles. You can also look into just a regular epoxy paint for concrete flooring, and that will also seal it as nicely and best as you can. If you prime it and put that down, you can put down any color, paint any picture, paint the ocean, whatever you like. Is it so, show the name of the product, Is it, or is that just a type? No, it's a well. There is a product called Epoxy Shield. It's made by Rust-Oleum. It's sold all over the place. Excellent. Okay. Okay, guys. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Carol. Thanks so much for calling us at one eight 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 Money Pit. Well, Leslie, playgrounds should be a safe place for kids to play. But did you know that the wrong surfaces can spell tragedy for tots? You might know that asphalt is a bad material. You know that's what we had growing up. We had the <laughs> asphalt on the playground. But you might be even more surprised to learn that grass actually can be a very unsafe surface for playgrounds. Well, find out how to keep kids safe in your own backyard or public playground right after this. This portion of the Money Pit is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors. The Pella Windows Your Way sale is going on now. Visit us at www.pella.com or call 1-800-TBD-PELLA today for a free consultation. Pella, viewed to be the best. 
Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. The number is one eight 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 Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler, and I'm Leslie Segretti. Well, playground surfaces made of asphalt are a dangerous thing of the past, but even grass can be too hard to prevent injury to kids. Today, materials like mulch or sand and recycled rubber provide a much safer alternative in the very, very likely event of a fall. The very likely event of a fall. Because yeah, because that's... sometimes I would go swinging to see how far I could jump off of that swing. Absolutely. Well, for your own backyard playset, you need to use at least nine inches of wood chips, mulch, or shredded rubber for equipment that's up to seven feet high. If you're going to use sand or pea gravel, you need about nine inches for equipment that's even up to five feet high. Or you can use mats made of safety-tested rubber or rubber-like materials. Now, the most important thing is that whatever safety material you choose, it's got to extend six feet in all directions from the play equipment. So not just under the equipment, but out away from the equipment for those kids that like to launch themselves, just like Leslie did as a kid. (laughs) Yeah, and when you're at the school or the park, make sure you check your child's playground to make sure surfaces under the swings and the slides and the climbers are well covered. You want to look for a total depth of about 12 inches to be ideal. Coming up in our next e-newsletter, more playground safety tips, including a guide to the playground equipment that's safest for your kids, as well as the most unsafe stuff that you still sometimes see at older parks. And if you're not a Money Pit e-newsletter subscriber, you are missing out. There's tons of great advice and tips coming out of your inbox every week. Best of all, it is free, F-R-E-E, free. Log on to MoneyPit.com to sign up today. All right, well, listening to the Money Pit on KQKE is down in California, and you want to talk about Windows, so how can we help? Well, I have um, some windows that um, uh, have some condensation. They're double insulated windows, and there's condensation that sort in of in between the like panes of glass. Don, it it's it's uh, it it goes away. Yeah, it, it's not between the panes. I don't think. I think it's. I'm not sure, but you know, yeah, we I have... bet you it is. If it comes and goes, what that is is a bad seal, and. Uh, the thermal paint seal is, is breached, and so you get moisture inside that pane of glass. And depending on the difference between the outside temperature and the inside temperature, you get more or less condensation and fogging inside those windows. Now, the bad news is it can't be fixed. But the good news is it doesn't. it's really cosmetic, and it doesn't majorly affect your, your efficiency of that glass. Yeah, it only happens in the wintertime. Right. Well, that's when you have the difference. Well, when it's cool outside and it's yeah, warm exactly. inside and you get the differences in temperature clashing on the glass. So it's like a, a dew point or something, is that? Yeah, how, exactly. How it, you know, oh, because um, I, was, I was curious. I said, like, oh, I'm going to wipe the glass off. But well, right, and you like keep when, wiping, it doesn't go away. Yeah. It's like when you have a cool drink on a hot day and the glass gets all moist and condensy on it. It's the same concept there. Oh, on the outside of the glass. And, mm-hmm. it's yeah, except it's happening inside. Happening yeah, in between you your panes. The seal that goes between those two panes of glass, it's called swiggle. I love that word. Yeah, it's a great word, isn't it? Swiggle. And, and eventually it breaks down and it, and it, lets the, lets, it releases its vacuum. Oh. And uh, then you get moisture in there. Yeah. They're not low E. Uh, some of, some uh, are low E. They have a film on there. I'm not sure those are low E. They, they just are Probably not. Um, and I'll tell you a quick way to tell. Especially if it's a south side, if you feel a lot of sun through those windows, if it's very warm, it's definitely not low E because low E reflects the, the heat of the sun back outside. Oh, okay, so so for okay for 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 um, uh, fading of, of of things that it reflects the the heat outside. Yeah, so low that, E is it, better at that, and you know you might just want to put up with it. But if you decide to replace your windows, then you buy you know new thermal pane seals. Are probably going to have um, argon gas as the as the fill, or it could have krypton gas. And then you make sure you get low E coating, and that's the best, highest efficiency window that you can really put in today. Okay, so so it's the it's the seal that uh, I it's forget. The seal that's bad. Squiggle or something. Yeah, Swiggle. it's the seal. 
Well, now you know you're not going crazy and you're wiping that off and it doesn't come clean. Good. All right, Don, thanks so much for calling us at the Money Pit. Adi in Illinois is having a plumbing problem. What's going on? Well, I'm uh, redoing a bathroom, and there are three plumbing fixtures in the bathroom. On one side of the wall, there is a toilet and a sink. On the opposite side of the wall, there is a bathtub. When we opened the wall up, what we found out was that the toilet is vented to a pipe, but the sink, there's a pipe that goes up, is capped off, but it's not vented into any type of vent pipe. And sometimes when you have the water going, you hear the gurgling sound when the water goes down in the sink. Yeah, exactly. I'm trying to figure out, must that pipe that it goes up, is capped off, should it be vented to us the stack pipe also like the like the toilet is? Yeah, it should. that's why you're hearing the gurgling because the sink is basically uh, gasping for air is okay. what that sound is. So it should be uh, connected up to the main vent pipe or, you know, it ought to have, um, there's a type of a valve that can go on top of that vent pipe that basically lets air in but doesn't let sewage gas out. Okay. But either way, whatever the easiest way is to vent that, it should definitely be vented. Otherwise, you're going to have a slow, gurgly sink for as long as you have that house. Okay. Okay, so it must be vented. Okay. Yep. Okay, Adi. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for calling us at one eight 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 Money Pit. Mowing is a mystery to most folks. In fact, experts say it's the most misunderstood and poorly performed part of lawn care. You know, when I was growing up, mowing was t- definitely a mystery to me, and I definitely performed it very poorly because I was thinking that if I did a really bad job, my dad would commandeer the lawnmower back and take and the And make you never over. do it again? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but I bet it didn't work. No, it didn't work at all. <laughs> but it was it was a good theory at the yeah, time. Yeah, good try, Tom. Nice try. Well, there is more to mowing than just cutting the grass every Saturday. Coming up, we're going to tell you the one most important thing you need to know about mowing your lawn after this. Money pay- It doesn't match the new shower curtain is a perfectly good reason for replacing your old faucet. As is, I'd rather be looking at brushed nickel when I wash my hands. And that classic motivator of home improvement, companies coming. That's where I come in. I'm the Peerless Faucet Coach, and when you visit me at faucetcoach.com, I'll stick with you through every step of your faucet installation. All you need to get started is one good reason. If that reason is my old faucet keeps spraying me in the face, well, that'll work too. Table saw. 18 volt drill driver. 8 piece combo kit. You don't have to just wish you had the power tools you really want. With Ryobi, you can actually afford them. Ryobi Power Tools. Professional features, affordable prices. And they sound really good, too. Ryobi, exclusively at the Home Depot. Let this happen to you. This poor temperature-challenged creature is the victim of a home without zone control. Some rooms insanely hot, others crazily cold. Rather than running from room to room trying to get comfortable, find a cure and find it fast. What is the cure? April Air Zone Control for new and existing homes. April Air Zone Control brings comfort to every area of your home. So hurry to AprilAir.com for immediate expert help and for the location of the April Air Zone Control dealer nearest you. Comfort is only a mouse click away. So go to AprilAir.com now. Too hot. Hello, this is Gary Sinise. The men and women in our military are on the front lines defending our freedom. 
They are working very hard to bring stability to some very dangerous places and to help make this a much safer world for all of us. But we can't take our heroes for granted. Americans everywhere are joining together to send an important message to those who proudly serve. For your service and sacrifice, your patriotism and devotion, America supports you. Visit americasupportsyou.mil and thank the troops for your freedom. portion of the Money Pit is being brought to you by RYOBI, manufacturer of professional feature power tools and accessories with an affordable price for the do-it-yourselfer. RYOBI Power Tools, pro features, affordable prices, available exclusively at the Home Depot. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. The number is 1-888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. So here is the secrets of lawn care, lawn mowing in particular. The secret is... When cutting the grass, so many people out there are setting their mowers too low and they're scalping the lawn. Of course they are because they, they want to just do it once and like have well, it you know last for a while. Exactly. So you cut it shorter, you think that's the key, but it's not the key. You never want to remove more than a third of the height of the lawn at any one mowing session, okay? This may mean you'll have to mow more often than weekly during prime growing times, which are usually the spring and the fall. Sorry, folks. But you can go to the gym less often in a positive <laughs> way. You know, the height is very important because the grass uses the extra length to absorb the sunshine it needs to grow. Think about it. If you're going to stunt the, if you're going to cut it way down, you're kind of stunting the grass because, well, because there's no uh, receptor there for the sunlight. So the, the grass really needs that full length of the blade. So don't take too much. Most grasses do best with a length of two to three inches. The only time it should be cut shorter is for the very last mowing of the season. Well, to get some more tools and tricks for a great yard, call one eight 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 Money Pit right now and get in on our great prize package. That's right, we're giving away a hundred bucks worth of Vigoro products, including Weed Stop Mulch. It's infused with herbicide, and it's got some tools in that package, plant food, and even some decorative stones. So that's certainly sure to inspire a fantastic yard. Call us now one eight 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 Money Pit. Victor in California listens to the Money Pit on the Quake, and your question is a cleaning one. What can we do for you? Yes, my question is. How can I remove uh, oil stains from granite, and then what kind of sealer is uh, suitable to keep that from happening again? Well, Victor, how did the oil stains get on the granite in the first place? Is there a story here? Just from food, yeah. It's a, it's a counter in the kitchen. It's very nice. It's a, it's a beautiful surface, and it's very hard, but it does, unfortunately, absorb uh, greases and oils. It, it probably wasn't sealed properly by the building originally. Oh, so it's beyond just the fact of the oil has sort of just created a stickiness. Because if you do have some stickiness on your countertop, I always clean up if I spill oil or if I'm cooking and there's oil overspray. I tend to use some white vinegar on a rag to wipe that away. Because in the restaurant industry, you know, you know the two cancel each other out. And if you ever had to fill an oil decanter and you got it on the sides, we would wipe it off with some vinegar. So I always think that's a good solution, but it sounds like you're beyond that. You know, Victor, there's a website out there that specializes in cleaning materials for stone surfaces. It's called Stone Care. Their website is stonecare.com. And there is a, uh, a cleaning uh, material out there called Marbonist, and it's designed specifically to clean countertops. And once you rub the countertop down with this stuff, 
Uh, it does a really good job of taking out all of the old oil and the old stains. But the key thing here is that after you get it clean, you've got to seal it. And so there are also stone sealers that you, you can purchase um, that will seal it. And that will stop some of the absorptive issues that's causing all this grease to soak right in. So I would take a look at StoneCare.com and pick up some countertop cleaner, clean it really good, then then seal it, and then stop spilling oil on it, will you? <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show, one eight 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 Money Pit eight 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 six 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 three nine seven four. But in Virginia's got a problem. You've got some heat pumps. What's going on? Yeah, I have um, two heat pumps on my house. It's a single family uh, home. It's twenty five hundred square foot, all on one level, and it has two heat pumps. And one of them is really starting to make a lot of noise. And we're going to have that replaced. But I was wondering if we could just get one whole system to replace both units with one. Well, it's separated now into two zones, I presume, correct? That's correct, yeah. There's two thermostats and, uh, and two... Yeah, years. no, so you, you will always need two heat pumps. Okay, there's no way to, to put that all into one. My only reason for that is the, the cost of one is, is substantially cheaper than buying two, and they're both about 20 years old. Yeah, but then, then you would have to run... Let's say, let's say you could conceivably do that. You would be running a much larger unit, spending a lot more money to run it more hours of the day with two zones. You know, you run the different zones when you need them. So a two-zone system is always more efficient than a one-zone system, even though the, the equipment cost is a little bit higher. Okay. If you have a one-zone system, you can divide it up further by the use of, of uh, zoning dampers that close off different parts of the duct system. But you generally can't take a two-zone HVAC system and turn it into one, nor would you want to. Okay. All right, bud. All right. Thank you very much. You're welcome. And by the way, one other way to try to save money on heat pumps for those of you that have them is to make sure you put in a heat pump clock setback thermostat. That's different, Leslie, than a regular thermostat because heat pumps. Well, heat pumps um, use really two systems to heat your house. They use the heat pump itself, which is kind of like an air conditioning system that runs in reverse. And they use an electric furnace as a backup heat, basically straight resistance heat, a coil that air blows across. And if you set the temperature in your house to, say, 70 degrees and it falls to 69 or 68, the heat pump works. But if it falls to 67 or below, the resistance heat comes on. So what most people do with regular thermostats is they're always bouncing that heat up or down, say, 10 degrees. Well, if you do that with a heat pump, as soon as you drop it or raise it back up 10 degrees, the electric resistance heat's going to come on. And that costs twice as much or more to run than the heat pump. So a heat pump setback thermostat, what that does is it very slowly inches the heat up and down so it doesn't sort of let that resistance heat come back on. So the kind of thermostat you use is really important. Linda in Rhode Island finds the money pit on WPRO, and you're thinking about a drop ceiling. Tell us about it. Uh, Yes, I'm looking to install a drop ceiling, uh, acoustical ceiling in my basement, and I was wondering if you had any uh, tips or ideas on... uh, how to do that in the most painless manner. Well, actually, drop ceilings, you know, it doesn't have to be those foamy-looking acoustic tiles anymore. There's some great new advancements in that, particularly by a company called Armstrong. And if you go to their website, armstrong.com, you can see a variety of different tiles. So if you're looking for something different, that's a good place to start. And the installation itself is fairly modular. You know, the secret is simply getting that first track up around the outside of the walls. And laser levels have come so far today that that really is the easiest way to do it. With a laser level, you can very easily get a level line all the way around the wall so that you get that track in the first place. And after that, 
Linda, it's just a matter of snapping the whole thing together. It's as easy as putting together Lego blocks. Great. Sounds like it's uh, a weekend adventure for me. <laughs> we'll, yeah, we'll enjoy yeah, it. That's right, but ho- hopefully one you won't get lost in. on. Good. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome, Linda. Thanks so much for calling us at one eight 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 Money Pit, listening to us on WPRO in Providence, Rhode Island. Have you ever wondered if your decorating decisions could reduce your property value? Well, they could, and we're going to tackle an email question about that very topic next. portion of the Money Pit is being sponsored by Peerless. If you're putting in a new bathroom or kitchen faucet, Peerless can help you with every step, including the hardest one, getting that old faucet out. For a complete undo-it-yourself guide, visit the Peerless Faucet Coach at faucetcoach.com. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. The number is one 888 Pit 888-666-3974. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Call us at one 888 Pit or email us by logging on to moneypit.com and clicking on Ask Tom and Leslie. All right, Michelle did just that, and she writes, Is tiling the bedroom a good or bad decision? I just tiled my daughter's bedroom, even though my husband wasn't thrilled with the idea. We have pets, and I chose the tile because of the pet's shedding and to make cleanup of the occasional accidents easier. My husband thinks tiling the bedrooms lowers the value of the house, but other people that I talked to said it would add value. So please help me settle this debate and put my mind at rest that I didn't make a huge mistake. I think the first thing that uh, Michelle needs to do is get rid of the pet. <laughs> well, yeah, or train the pet or send that it to a pet it. training program. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't know, Leslie. I think that tiling the bedroom is probably a mistake unless you happen to live in an area of the country where that's very, very common, like, say, Florida. Yeah, um, I, it's not very warm or comforting or cozy, which is what you want a bedroom to be. Yeah, if you lived, like, up near us in, in New York City, you certainly would never consider tiling your bedroom. I mean, you might tile your kitchen, you might tile your foyer, um, perhaps you might tile a family room or a rec room, but you would never tile a bedroom. So if you had a tiled bedroom and you lived in the Northeast, I think uh, that a buyer of your home would probably frown on that particular situation. If you live down in the warm southern climate, maybe that's a normal thing down here, but up here it's not. So really decorating um, is a very personal decision, but if you don't make the right one, it could detract from the value of your home. And I think uh, that you perhaps did make a mistake in this situation. But, you know, look, the worst thing you're going to have to do here, Michelle, is you're going to have to uh, maybe replace that tile with a carpet or something of that nature when it comes time to sell the house. If you're going to be in that home for a long time, you might as well enjoy it, though it's down now. And, or she uh, maybe, could advertise when the house is for sale, home with five dens. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you know, there are other kinds of decorating decisions, I think, that um, would take away from the value of the house. Generally, if you're remodeling the home and you make it, you oversize the home for your neighborhood. If you put too big of an addition on or too many bathrooms or bedrooms or things like that where it's inconsistent mm-hmm. with the rest of the homes in the neighborhood, you know, that kind of thing can not give you a great return on investment. If you want a good return on investment, you want to generally stay fairly neutral. And I think the two rooms in the house that give you the best ROI, kitchens and bathrooms. Every yeah, but even in time. kitchens, you can make mistakes by, say, putting in a countertop that's 
you know, really good for your choice, but not the best for resale, say like an electric blue sparkly granite. That might not be the best for resale. Might work great for you, but it might really detract a new owner or a new buyer from, say, making that sale. Yeah, neutral is uh, really boring, but neutral is what really uh, new buyers want to see because they want to imagine their stuff in your house. And if it's neutral, they can do just that. Well, this time of the year, we want to take the inside out, get out there and enjoy the fresh spring air. But on today's edition of Leslie's Last Word, you've sort of got some counter advice on how to bring the outside right back in. Well, spring is a great time of year to bring the outside in. Take clippings from outdoor ivy and root them in water indoors for some free houseplants. Buy inexpensive shade annuals and pot them up for indoors. Fuchsias, impatiens, begonias, and primroses are wonderful for bringing in color and do well in extremely low light. So that's a good option for indoors. And instead of storing away candles for the winter, why not take out the old glue gun and add some organic touches of twigs and leaves and potpourri, whatever you have lying around the house that says spring. So use your imagination and bring the outdoors into your home. Great advice. one moneybit is our telephone number. MoneyPit.com is the website in the home of the free Money Pit e-newsletter. Coming up next week on the Money Pit, it could happen when you're least expecting it. Each year we hear about children getting hurt or worse in accidents involving a fall from a second floor window. Now there's a simple step you can take to keep your family safe. We're going to talk about that next week on this program. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone.